All right, everyone. The Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Shed Light Cold Lasers. And Shed Light Cold Lasers has been a game changer for us at HML professionally and personally at home. Personally, on a, on a personal note, I had a very bad bout of vertigo. And I got probably 85% there by going to a few different functional neurologists over the years to help me out with it. Then I bought this. And this is a game changer because one, it's portable. That means I can take it to the office, use it on patients all day, make sure it stays charged, come on home, and then throw it in my pocket and use that home. And this is what cleared up my vertigo. Now, professionally, the way it's game, it's uh, been the game changer for us in the office is that it has cut our results down by 50%. This can get used on just about anything, any disease disorder that you can think of, it can pretty much get used on. Now, as far as how it has helped us out, it's cut everything down by 50% on our times. So when we're working with our kids with special needs, uh, when we're working with our chronic neurological disorders, autoimmune diseases, to get those people into a good point that they're happy and that we're happy, times have been cut by 50%. You will definitely want to go check out shedlightcoldlasers.com or email Griswold at shedlightinformation at gmail.com, 518-338-6658. All right, everyone, welcome to the Dr. Alex Show, and today we're going to talk about autism. Now, autism, super complex also known as autism spectrum disorder and the spectrum and the diagnoses um, have changed over the years and the criteria have changed over the years. And we're not really going to go too much into all of that because all of that is information that everyone can find online, uh, the different levels of autism and things of that nature. But a couple uh, things that I just want to talk about is neurology and autism and why did we ever start getting into this now when i was going through school i would sit there in class and we'd learn why autism was going from one in ten thousand or depending on what you read one in thirty thousand kids in the 1980s to as much as one in 54 kids now diagnosed with autism or i should say one in 54 people sorry diagnosed with autism and not going to go into all of the controversial topics, at least this episode, as to why autism is on the rise. But in school, we got really crummy answers such as, oh, it's genetics. Well, I got news for you. Our genes don't change that much over 30 and 40 years, uh, even with a uh, process called de novo mutation. Big fun word for you. That de novo gene mutations don't even change that much. So... A lot of it has to do with what's in our environment. And with that, that means our system is overwhelmed with autism. And our schools, our, all of our school resources, our insurance resources, uh, private and public associations and firms and charities, uh, state-ran um, insurances such as Medicaid, um, and now as people who were first diagnosed with autism early on are approaching an age that we will get to 
uh, close to retirement, now Medicare might have to be responsible for taking care of these people. Um, either way, our system is overwhelmed and our field, functional neurology, when it started coming around, saw a need for it. Saw a need that we could go in and potentially fill in some of the gaps and help these other professionals out. So when I was going through school, I worked on a couple of kids with autism in the student clinic, which was such a blessing. Then when I got out in practice, I was in a place with multiple uh, doctors and the other doctor's patients would have children with needs or my patients uh, would bring in their kids with needs. And the number one thing that the parents would talk about is, you know, we've just kind of hit a lull. We've kind of hit a, a stopping point in our progress. Uh, they've seen a occupational therapist, physical therapist, speech language pathologist, behavioral therapist, play therapist, recreational therapist, the best neurodevelopmental uh, pediatrician in the area, uh, the best neurologist in the area. They've gone to all of the summer camps and they've made strides and the parents want more because if they've seen that their child has maybe gone from being nonverbal to verbal, um, then sometimes the sky is the limit. Now, that's not always the case. Unfortunately, we can't always make changes with uh, people with special needs. And autism is one of those, unfortunately. Probably one of the best explanations as to why is sometimes when someone is diagnosed with autism, they may also have another condition. So a, a quick clarification is if someone has autism and it's not diagnosed with anything else, they might have ADHD or some other neurodevelopmental disorder. Uh, it is that that person has what the research calls classical autism. Now, if someone unfortunately has autism, but they might also have something like Fragile X or Turner syndrome or another rare condition called Nanoon syndrome, which are all genetic issues. It means those genetic issues, unfortunately, have uh, squatted development enough that it has given rise to um, symptoms of autism. And sometimes we can't make changes in people like that. And sometimes we can't make changes in people with what research calls classical autism uh, because Maybe the, maybe the person is too old or maybe they're uh, so dysfunctional that we just can't get anything out of them. That's kind of a whole other show topic. But what we do want to talk about is the possibilities. And next, we're going to go into a very special case that Dr. Lauren and I had. All right. So sorry about that bit of a long intro, as you're going to learn. And if you already haven't, um, this is my book. So you're going to learn why, why we do all this. Now, the case that we are going to talk about here is M. We're just going to call her M. Now, you can hop online and see videos of M. Uh, she's amazing. And she has come such a long way. And M is very important to both Lauren and I because Lauren and I have worked with, um, we're probably approaching somewhere in the hundreds. We are in the hundreds. I don't know uh, how many kids just on the spectrum that we've been able to be blessed enough to help. 
But M was important because she was one of the first kiddos that we worked with together in our new office. Now, M was eight, uh, close to nine uh, at the time when she first came in. And she is, uh, was, sorry, nonverbal. Spoiler alert, she did great. She is talking. So when she first came in, she was nonverbal. And the only thing you could get out of her are some some screams, some yells. Um, and every once in a while, the parents would state that as clear as day, she would say cat or dog or son, um, something along those lines, one-syllable words. Uh, but then you wouldn't hear any sort of word for six months to a year. So for all intents and purposes, she was nonverbal. Now, when she came in, all she did was really walk around the room. As you guys know, when you're, if you have a child on the spectrum or someone with special needs and they're pretty dysfunctional, they walk around, they touch things, they get to know things, they explore things, they will put things in their mouth just like a toddler. And she was doing all of that. So a lot of her exam was observation, unless um, we were actually able to get some sort of data out of her. We could check things like, how strong is she? What's her gross motor skills? Can she balance? Can she balance on a balance beam? Can she balance on one leg? Can she stand with her eyes closed? Can, does she even know what it means to stand with her eyes closed? Uh, can she withstand loud sounds? Does she mind having glasses on her face? Does she mind certain music? All of these things are things that I found out within an hour's worth or 45 minutes worth of her walking around the room and saying, hey, come on over here. Let's do this real quick. And she was, again, about nine. She was operating overall around like a four-year-old's level uh, other than the inability to talk. Um, she could walk, she could kind of run, she can, she could kind of color, she could do a couple things, um, academically. Um, but that was about it. So when we're working with, uh, someone like M, these kiddos have already been through the ringer. Uh, M had a great school support system. Uh, she still does where there was an occupational therapist, speech language pathologist, a physical therapist. And then all of her uh, SPED or special education uh, teachers and all of their assistants. Overall, that school had a team of about 13 people that were involved in her life. Um, maybe not daily, but at least a couple times a week they were involved in her life. And she had come a long way, um, believe it or not like they usually do, but the parents were ready to see if they could make more changes. So they found us and humbled to say that uh, they found us through a referral from a friend and they came in, brought her in, and we put her through all of that exam. And over the course of about nine months, uh, she had gone from not talking to talking. She said mom and dad for the first time. And that is just huge. Amongst that, she was able to sit longer without having disruptions. Mom and dad didn't have to entirely keep an eye on her. Otherwise, um, if you kind of let her go in a room, she'll level the first uh, story of a building, as, as uh, we all can understand that. So the parents are able to leave her alone a little longer. She was able to um, sit quieter, longer in school. 
And the team of therapists, teachers, and assistants at school were able to get more out of her. And they still continue to get more out of her. And haven't had an update lately from M's parents about how her verbal skills are. But what we were able to do as functional neurologists at our office, like other functional neurologists do, is fill in what we call the gap and find some of the missing pieces that haven't been addressed and address it. And it it doesn't matter why they weren't addressed. It's just sometimes it's out of people's training or there's so much you have to work on with these kids. There's so much going on that you have to pick your battles. You can't do 10 hours of therapy a day for a kid. You're not going to get anything out of them. So we were able to pick up the missing pieces and get a lot of gains and function out of M. Now with M, when we first started working with her, got that exam out of the way, majorly it was an observation, and we figured out where she was functioning. We figured out what we like to call her brain age. She's about nine, She was about nine at the time, but uh, unfortunately her brain was not functioning like a nine-year-old. And when I talk to parents about this, I always have to emphasize, please do not take offense to this, but this is how I can best relate to you, your child's functionality. And especially if the parents are blessed to have other children that are neurotypical, then they understand. So when M came in, she was about nine, she was functioning at about four to five years of age. And the parents were like, yep, spot on. So that means that it helps the parents also understand that sometimes that's unfortunately how you have to talk to her and how you relate to her. And it also puts in the back of your head, okay, she's only about four, she's only about five. So what does all that mean? Well, we were able to get into the school and sit down with the 13 odd some people plus the principal and go over what we had found um, to be most impactful to M's life if that got addressed so that way they can get more out of her and these children it truly does take a village these children are unworldly complex and specialists have their honed in expertise and that's what each of these people did for M they all had a couple things or one thing that they focused on and it is not that things were overlooked it's just that there are just so many factors, uh, factors that sometimes even people don't know about because it seems like every six months, new information comes out. And I know in our office, we change what we do almost every six months to a year because it's new information. And it's not because we were doing something wrong in the past. It's because we found a better way to do it. So when we got into uh, the school there, we were talking with the team and we said, these are a couple of things that need to be addressed. And when it comes to development, think of neurodevelopment like a tree. And at the base of a tree are the roots. Now we can't see those roots, but we have to count on them being healthy to lay down the foundation to sprout a healthy trunk of our tree. And at the base of that uh, development are, I'm sorry, at the roots there are primitive reflexes. Now, Primitive reflexes are complex motor reflexes, kind of like a knee-jerk reflex when you go to the doctor and they bang on your knee there, Uh, except they're more complex. They involve more body, body parts, but they are the foundation to motor function. 
if these reflexes um, show up as they're supposed to and go away as they're supposed to, a child is going to have a better development. However, for many, 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 many reasons, primitive reflexes can stick around. And when they stick around, they're going to wreak havoc on development. They're not going to allow that trunk to start sprouting appropriately, and we're not going to have a healthy tree or a healthy brain. So if they don't go away, most of them, by the age of one, then they're going to wreak havoc on development, and they're not going to allow the cortex to run the show. Those reflexes are going to quite literally run the show. And a lot of their motor actions are going to be reflexogenic and their brain is not going to be doing the motions for them. So she had a lot of those reflexes still, and there's about 30 of them. We assess about 10 of them as um, most functional neurologists do. And she had all 10. They were just lit up like a Christmas tree and they all had to go away because if they didn't go away, you're, you were only going to get so far, just like M's parents said. So it, they said, hey, we've, we've kind of hit a lull here. So we brought in that information to the school, said there's uh, present primitive reflexes, and those have to be addressed, and we explained how we're going to address them. And for all those parents out there who are sitting here like, yeah, we've addressed primitive reflexes. In fact, we bought this system online to help address primitive reflexes. Or we went and saw a doctor and they gave us the primitive reflex exercises. Uh, I'll tell you that with M, we didn't use any of those primitive reflex exercises because they didn't work. And that's at the heart of what functional neurology is. It is finding the exercise or the, the motor exercise, or the sensory stimulation that is going to work. So when we assessed M, we looked at um, her primitive reflexes. They were all very severe. And I ran her through those exercises that parents typically use to get rid of these reflexes, and none of them worked. So that meant I had to start applying all my nerd power and go in and say, okay, these primitive reflexes live here in the brain. And this is how, or this is what this part of the brain does. This is how I can stimulate it. And so I stimulated that area of the brain uh, with particular sensory and other motor actions like gross and core motor skills. And it brought the severity down in, in real time. It went from very severe to very minimal. And that told me that that action that sensory stimulus is what made the change for M and that is what is going to make the long-term change for M to get those reflexes to go away or gone um, down to a very minimum level. So we did that and then we also said, you know, unfortunately guys, her muscle tone is very low. She's a bit of a wet noodle and a lot of you parents out there are um, definitely relating to this. These kids have low muscle tone. So that is huge, and that is the uh, trunk of the tree. And if the roots aren't healthy, the trunk's not going to be healthy. And if that trunk's not healthy, then you're not going to sprout uh, awesome branches, and the tree's not going to look good, and we're not going to have a healthy brain. And we're going to have developmental delays. So the two biggest things were we got to work on the prims or the primitive reflexes, and then we also have to get that muscle tone up. We have to make her use her body. So she did core work and a lot of it. She did it in school. She did it in office and she hasn't been in in a while because she has a newborn, um, 
uh, sibling, a little girl, I believe. So when she does come back to the office, you can bet that she's going to continue doing that uh, uh, core work to get her muscle tone to go up. All right, so now why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because this happens, blessed to say, every day in office. I don't like the fact that sometimes or a lot of the times um, our office and a lot of other functional neurologists' offices are the last-ditch effort. Uh, It means that the families have already gone through other therapies. They've gone through traditional routes, and they've, they've made changes. They made great changes. Maybe they want even more changes, or maybe they've made no changes. But a lot of times, families come to us as functional neurologists, and they're they're already at kind of at their wits end. And we don't like that. And that's no fun for, for everyone. But it is nice to be able to, like we say, fill in the gaps and work with the team of people and not only help the child, but then learn from that team. Because the specialists that deal with these kids, um, that hone in on a couple aspects of their lives are so smart. And we can pick up so much from them on how we uh, work with these kids on, on the daily. And I, and I just have to say that. Um, and I'm super humbled when other practitioners and therapists of, um, of these families uh, work with us because it's not conventional thinking to say, hey, let's take your kid to the chiropractor and let the chiropractor work on him. Granted, we're doing a lot more than just chiropractic on these kids. So, Back to the point. The whole point is a lot of times there's hope. There really is. Because if we can get a nonverbal child to be verbal and start making purposeful um, vocalizations, their wants, their needs, or to simply express their um, emotional, um, sorry, their love towards their, their siblings, and that is usually a pretty severe case, then chances are we can do something. Now, sometimes, again, we can't. But if you have been through the ringer, if you've gone down the uh, private insurance route, you've seen your occupational therapist, your physical therapist, they work on fine motor skills, they work on gross motor skills, they might work on walking, they might work on toe walking, They might work on um, aspects of daily living, like how to hold a pen or a pencil or how to hold a fork. Maybe you've gone through the behavioral therapy route where they will take your child and teach your child most and any and all aspects of life. Everything from going to the restroom to, hey, let's go out to a public space. Let's go to the grocery store and let's learn how to behave in the grocery store. Let's learn what's in what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. And if you've done all that and you're happy or you're not happy, then maybe look into what functional neurology and functional medicine and chiropractic care can do for, uh, for your loved one. To find people that are um, equally as well as trained, if not the people that taught Dr. Lauren and I how to do this, uh, the place I recommend the most is to go to iafner.org. That is iafnr.org, and you can find a practitioner listing 
um, especially under um, that website with it'll it'll state what the practitioner specializes in if it's kids or not and you should be able to find someone in your area now uh, iafner is not a sponsor um, and full disclosure that is the organization that i am part of that i get a lot of my postgraduate studies from so if anything i pay them uh, for what that's worth uh, but I am partial to that because when you're trying to find someone who works with kids, it, you want to be able to find someone that is a bit of an overall jack of all trades or they have resources. Uh, because sometimes when kids see all these various specialists, it gets to be overwhelming for the family. There's a lot going on. You have a specialist for just about everything. I mean, you have to go to a particular pediatric dentist at times you might even have to go to a, a particular uh even urologist if they have bedwetting problems so i your career as a parent unfortunately at times can be taking your child to the various doctors and if you have someone with a bit of a thirty thousand foot bird's eye view of what's going on uh like what we specialize in um, we can help fill in the gaps, and it's not to take away those specialists, but it's to help reduce some of the need. If we can take the burden away from um, you as a parent and some of the other specialists in terms of, hey, if we can inc increase this functionality, if we can maybe get the child to not wet the bed, or if we can get the child to not be screaming their head off as they have someone dig in their mouth and to clean their teeth, then it's going to make everyone's world easier. So when you're looking for someone, I do recommend IAFNR for that reason, because they're going to have the most overall training. And whether they work with uh, kids from a functional neurological basis or a functional medicine basis, or maybe just even from a chiropractic basis, what you want to do is find someone that um, will do all of that and or have the resources to fill in those other aspects. Because those are the three aspects to uh, these kids' lives that are usually missing. They've already been through the traditional routes and they've already been through the school system routes. So we wanna fill in a gap with some of these other services that we can provide. All right, everyone. So to wrap things up, big takeaways are find yourself a functional neurologist or a functional medicine practitioner or a chiropractor that specializes in kids with needs. And if they don't have all of those three aspects covered for you, make sure you can find that person that has that other aspect. Cause that could be the, the, the missing link that could be the gap to get filled. So you can take your child to the next level, just like we took M to the next level. And we'll talk more details about, you know, how we did that and everything that uh, goes that went into her case and I'm due to get an update. So I'd love to provide that uh, for you guys. And I want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And next episode, we're going to talk uh, to a dear friend of mine. Funny thing is, is I've never met the guy, but I know that I have learned from him in the past because of his teachings and it's kind of gone full circle where I was not learning from what he has done in the past to now he's back in our lives because he is the gentleman that is the director uh, for Shed Light Cold Lasers. And we're going to talk about cold lasers. We're going to talk about what those lasers are, 
how awesome they are, what they do for people, how it's changed our practice and how we get to use them every day and speed up our results, get better results, more profound results. And that gentleman's name is Dr. Damien Griswold. So I am very excited to uh, share his story and get him on and just talk about lasers and how we get to apply it to not only uh, children with uh, autism, but all children with special needs and all patients for that matter. All right, everyone. The Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Apex Energetics, apexenergetics.com. First of all, to learn more about Apex Energetics, head on over to that website. If you want to get Apex Energetics directly, uh, please call them 1-800-736-4381, or you can shop our online store. You can get to our online store at myhcpstore.com. Username is Dr. Alex. Otherwise, if you'd like to find a doctor that uses Apex Energetics, you can give them a call or go to the website and they'll direct you to a doc in your area that should be doing very good work with Apex Energetics. Apex has just been instrumental in our lives professionally and personally. About six years ago, we went through one of the most hellacious traumas that you can think of. And if it weren't for Apex with their stress support line of products, I probably would not be here. Point blank period. And in the office, you, making the switch from other lines to Apex Energetics has sped up our results with our patients, supporting them through their healthcare needs, um, probably by 25%, um, if not if not more. And when it comes to Apex Energetics, we just want to remind everyone that we are here to not cure diseases, making claims. We are here supporting people, increasing their healthcare needs, and helping them achieve their goals. ApexEnergetics.com. The Dr. Alex Show is hosted by myself, a nerd, Dr. Alex Nelson. I'm a chiropractor, board certified in functional neurology and childhood neurodevelopmental disorders. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or most any of your other favorite podcast apps. The Dr. Alex Show is a production of Fredcasts. Think, speak, act.